Hello and welcome to Kate's Chats. Open, honest conversations into my world. I'll be covering topics around health and fitness, mental wellbeing and general chit chat. There's no fancy jingle, there's no fancy intro, just me and my thoughts. I hope you can relate to the things that we talk about and please share this with any friends or family that you may feel would benefit from listening in. So again, we're not sure what episode I'm on um, and I'm also joined again today by Steve Anderson of Happy Hub. So this is becoming a regular... Like a co-host. Yes. Would you give me that? Okay. Okay, um, We have had such a positive response from our last podcast about addiction I was going to say about your crappy life (laughs) sorry um about your about your addiction so we've been a bit overwhelmed really by people's um comments people wanting to share it with friends and um just really positive feedback so I first of all want to thank everybody for listening and hopefully that um thank you for sharing it with friends I suppose um Today we want to just kind of do part two and we want to talk about, which we didn't really mention last time, is the effects that the addiction has on the people around you. And we're going to cover this subject today. So we're going to talk about family members, friends and children. So obviously this just relates to our personal life and every situation is different. So first of all, I want to kind of ask Steve from a personal from a personal point of view how do you think that this ha- this affected at the time and is still affecting people if we start with family members and your two lovely children oh thank you um at the time it's hard to kind of understand the effects that it's having on anyone um because you live in the moment of like I touched on last time that kind of victimhood would you say um, it's like a little bit of a self, like in that when you're in it, it's almost like a bit of a selfish kind of attitude or? Well, how many exactly? times you, so when you suffer kind of any mental health problem or addiction, you genuinely believe you're the only person that feels the way you do, which is kind of why we always say it's good to talk because then you get a greater understanding of other people that are going through very similar. Like I said, when I went to rehab, I finally understood that there was 16 other people from random backgrounds that all felt the same. Mm. In that moment, you are effectively in victimhood and you start to believe that, you know, it doesn't really matter because their life is great. You look at it's a bit like the comparing on social media or comparing in, in normal life. It's that kind of, well, everyone, everyone else seems fine. Nobody understands how I feel. And when you're in it, it, it's difficult to understand how somebody might feel because you genuinely believe how you feel is by far worse than how anyone else would. And selfish as that is, that's the only kind of mindset you put yourself in. It's literally a constant, woe me, like why me? And everyone else is just unfortunately and wrongly forgotten about, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I suppose at the time as well, you're the people around your current let's do, if we just stick to talking about the painkiller addiction um and, and we kind of keep it present in that in that moment your children obviously didn't have they didn't know that you were going through this they were very they were very young so at that time them not knowing that you had an addiction how do you feel that that affected the children and how it's affecting them now and their 
Well, obviously at the time, it's although they don't know that there's an addiction, and you know, there's probably a slightly more distant dad, or there's a slightly more distant human that they're seeing surround or they're surrounded by it. But also, if it's something you've always had, and you've always been a, had a dad that isn't home for you know bath time or doesn't come to school plays or doesn't do the normal things that other dads seemingly do but you, you were don't out re- working during yeah that but time you there. don't let's really not, let's yeah, not paint the picture that you sat on a park bench popping pills no obviously do you know what i mean no, you were out you were yeah. out yeah. working yeah but not- but again i i i took i took stuff to work harder to kind of ease the pain too so i i spent a prolonged amount of time away from home and didn't really enjoy it. So like, like now, like I try and go to everything, even if it isn't something I would normally want to go to or even really ever want to go to. It's I Why try would and you not want to go to a Christmas carol concert? They're so oh, much fun. They or are. Harvest they Festival, are. that's one of the best exactly, ones. Exactly. Everyone can have your old tins in the back of the cupboard. Um, <laughs> it's just more that I think you're so distant and you're being so selfish and deceitful and you're not really focused and you're not really f- thinking straight and... Mm you're not really giving everyone else the attention that they need. And, I, I, you know, my children, you know, my wife, my, my family, my friends, it, it just, you're so kind of insular in your thoughts. It's me, 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 me. And that's not really who I ever thought I was. I've always believed I was a very selfless person, a more giving person. But at, at that moment, yeah, it's it's the, the people around you that you do completely forget that, you know, they're struggling too and they're going through it and your addiction during the period or the pre finding out to when they find out it then you have that kind of moment I think from your family and friends especially of like oh why didn't we recognize this could we have done any more could Mm. we've done so then they start to have this kind of guilt and resent yeah um so first of the guilt and then like the resent of like actually this is terrible against like everything that we've we've brought him up or like you know they my sisters have always said like you know I thought you know we were all a team you could have told us so they start thinking what have they ever done wrong and it, it just becomes this massive domino effect on on everybody and you're not seeing it in that moment as you know do you think there's a point as well when you say when we touch on you your sister saying that <clears> is it almost a bit like you you just felt that you wanted to deal with it by yourself you didn't want to burden anybody with that with the hassle of it or with the you know the worry and the stress that they would then take that on take that on board well yeah i mean like i touched on last week there's also an element of shame um Mm. because you know what you're doing is wrong so it's that element of that kind of shameful kind of lie that you're living and you try and get it out and it just doesn't ever seem to want to kind of leave your lips so you like i said i sat on the sofa many times with my with my ex-wife and I said to her oh, i really probably should tell you and then i keep putting it off and i probably done the same with my friends and there's probably been times that i've kind of alluded to it and then just kind of backtracked a little bit because they made a bit of a joke and also you've got to remember the industry i worked in so at the time being in the building industry it was more you can share emotion or feelings mm. so if you're struggling you know you're on your own at work you don't want to be seen as the bad person which is really again things that we've touched on i i didn't want to lose what i had i didn't want to lose i think i always had that worry that if i confessed or told everyone I had problems that all of a sudden everything would crumbly uh, come crumbling down and and fundamentally it did when it all come out so maybe I was right to think that but maybe if I'd handled it the other way and mm. looked and gone maybe if I asked for help people would be more willing to give help rather than 
actually needing help, people then start to think, well, why didn't you ask? Mm. And then they start to have that kind of resent against you and saying, this is what you've done. You've caused this. This is your problem, not mine. And and that, and that's the issue. And that's why we're big now on that talking to other people because the the talking situation, as horrible as it feels confessing about something, it's always going to be easier confessing than somebody finding out. Because when they find out, you then get that kind of anger, annoyance, mm. resent, and you haven't got the chance to explain because nobody wants to listen. So then you go back into mm. victim mode. I mean, as as we said before, everyone's situation is very, very different. And we are speaking about your your situation and your situation ultimately led you to, you know, referring back to how it's affected friends, family and children. You know, you then, as as I said last time, unfortunately, there are parts of this that we have to, we, we can't discuss. Um, but it did lead you to a spell of losing, you know, not seeing your children for a period of time that there was a lot of other factors involved in that, which again, we can't, we cannot discuss. Um, but you've then got this worry of, you know, being, them being told that, I mean, can I say, <laughs> you know, look, you, you look, know. I, look, I'll take over because I know it's hard for you as well. It's um, mm. what I forget and what I, what I have, what i sometimes have these moments where, I'm a big believer of sliding door moments. And, you know, that re the, it's the reference to the film that if anyone's seen it, you turn left, something happens, you turn right, something completely different happens. And every day we have these lots of sliding door moments. And I'm a big believer that actually in that moment in time of it all coming out, my children had their a sliding door moment that wasn't necessarily their fault. And mm. so did my friends and family and my children's life has changed forever. Yeah. So you you naturally have this element of humongous guilt and it's this humongous guilt whilst you're feeling like the victim. And it's this contradictory kind of thing you're having in your head where you're going, well, I want to feel sorry for myself, but I should be feeling sorry for everyone else. And at the time, you're not thinking straight. You're not kind of coherent enough to kind of understand that. And... I look at my children's life now and I think they had a very nice life, had a very wonderful upbringing. And then all of a sudden, within five years or four years, they've now got divorced parents. They live separate lives from mum and dad. They are completely different personalities to what they were. Mm. And part of me, and it's truthful and it's hard to understand that that's fundamentally because of what I did. Mm. And it's about being able to understand that Although you did that, you then have to turn your life and and try and say, well, let's make good of this situation because that sliding door ha moment happened and okay, it's affected something, but that's not to say something would have happened if it stayed the same. So it's, it's that kind of taking that guilt away and taking that element of things that you can't control. Well, I, I can't control what happens, but I can certainly make the best of my situation. I kind of find myself in now mm. and I don't you know I don't hate anyone that's been involved in this I don't have any kind of resent towards anyone I just I just want to be able to move forward and give my children the best moments that I can and okay their life is different to how it was and it is different to how it could have been but that's not to say it won't be as good if not better than it would have been um, I, I, I think from for, from an outsider's point of view that actually, your the strength that, that you showed during that time, 
has obviously led you to do your life coaching, but has been remarkable in the fact that you have led, a, you have had a really tricky situation to say the least. But what you've developed and grown from that and the strength that you showed during that period of time and show still now on a daily basis is remarkable. And I would really like to think that people that are listening to this that are going through difficult times know that actually these difficult times and this is so cheesy and corny to say, but they do actually make you stronger in a really, if you let it. And I think that's the key thing, isn't it? You can sit in your self-pity and wallow or... Is that the right word? Yeah, you can have that, yeah. Or... (laughs) Or... You can turn it around and go, right, this has happened. What can we change now? And what can we do in order to make sure that the children now, when you've got your children, they have... You spend an immense amount of quality time with them and they are happy. But as you say, they will now have different paths because you obviously had a certain path that they were going to follow and that's completely changed yeah and i i do you know i will always have that element of guilt and but it's about understanding the guilt and understanding that you know i touch on the wounded child just for a bit and it's kind of understanding that you know like we said last week that I was always going one way. If I never dealt with my emotions and trauma of old, I was always going to go one way and it was always going to affect me somehow or some... Like, and maybe if it teaches me now that if something happens, you deal with it instantly. How would you explain... Sorry, but how would you... We obviously understand the wounded child because we talk about so, it a lot, but I don't... From people that are, are listening might not have heard that term before, so can you just briefly explain what you mean by that? So and that's the, something you use in therapy. Yeah, so we, we I've, I've discovered the wounded child for the first time from a very very good I have a therapist called Hilary Betts in um, in rehab and she taught us about the wounded child the adaptive adult child and the functioning adult and what that is is that's your free basically your fundamentals of your personality if you've suffered trauma you you're what you have to understand is and this kind of methods we use a lot um, that all of your emotions come from maybe trauma or come from your childhood because when you're born you don't really have any emotions like fear or insecurities or anxieties because you don't know you don't know what they are so it's when you develop them and how they develop so those feelings of insecurities and vulnerabilities that I had from a child they just followed me into adulthood Mm. and what the adapted adult did was it loved pushing people away it wanted to be loved but didn't want anyone to get too close mm. it become a massive imposter so it kind of you adapt to your surroundings and you, you kind of then what you really want and the function an adult is is it's all the things that you want to be like happy and you want to be fun and you want you know a sense of justice and you just want to feel normal um so to speak but it's really your wounded child is all your emotions and feelings that you have and they're the bits that control you so you know, when you feel anxious, that's not you feeling anxious of just one moment because that's you of remembering what anxiety felt when you first learned it. And mm. it's going back to childhood and you're you're controlled by that. And that's how I'd live my life. Everything that I'd ever kind of done, I always genuinely believed I, I was working on instinct. And my theory is now that actually instinct really isn't always a thing. It's actually, you're already preempted to give a response, which is... If you have two people that have had completely different upbringings, one's had severe trauma of like, you know, abuse and anger and shown at them, it's a bit like you wave at a child, what does a child do? It waves back. So if you've suffered anger or you've been exposed to lots of violence 
growing up and you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you up, you will probably, or predominantly, because that's what you've seen, get angry instantly. Mm. That's not instinct. That's something that you've learned. That feeling like of anger. Learned behavior. But if you haven't been grown up like that, you may get cut up and panic and be scared, or you may just not react, which is why every situation, every single human being acts completely differently because we've all experienced something different. Mm. And my wounded child held me on enough to be able to pretty much control everything I wanted. So if it wanted to control my addictions, I would feel a certain way. And the first thing my wounded child says, well, don't forget the thing that makes you happy is to take that out. The thing that kind of mellows you out is that, mm. and then it's, it's that kind of, once you start hitting that habit every day, it feels like it's part of your routine. And, and you just do it. I used to take tablets without even really thinking that I'd taken them. I used to take them and maybe an hour later, I think, have I taken them? Look at the box and go, yeah, I've already done. And, but because it just become part of my everyday routine, it'd be like, oh, first thing in the morning, have your breakfast, whack four tablets down, mm. get to work, 10 o'clock, have a cup of tea, another four tablets. And it's like, and it just become, and so at the weekends, because uh, I was out of my routine, my brain still wanted to take tablets because it's got something it's used mm. to. And that's kind of... Um, so going back to the wounded child thing, like let's put this now to you're now the parent, you're the adult, and the wounded child. And as, you know, for our own children, really, and as a parent, how can you help and support the trauma that not just your children, but a lot of children suffer from trauma. And as parents, we don't, it might not, you know, we might not see that as trauma. But what can we do as parents to prevent this wounded child well it's it's like anything you get a lot of people that say you know oh i'm okay because i didn't have the trauma as the same person next to me well that's kind of where we all go wrong because we assume that just because we haven't had the major trauma or the big trauma like other people have had then we should feel guilty about feeling a certain way well that's completely wrong because the emotion like the fear if you're on a roller coaster and you go down and you're scared of heights or you're scared of something, that's, that feeling of being, like, or that feeling of fear, mm. is going to be the same feeling of fear if someone approaches you. It's going to be the same feeling in your stomach. That absolutely petrified kind of can't control what I'm just about. Like, it's the same feeling. You know, anxiety is the same feeling regardless of the situation. Feeling sad, whether you're feeling really, in, in a, unless you're in a deep depression, but feeling a certain way, feeling vulnerable is the same feeling in whatever situation. So we have to kind of teach our children that, first of all, they have to talk. Certainly we have to give them more. Sometimes going back to that talking situation is brilliant. However, for children... In a situation, let's talk about it from from our from a divorced child from a from a divorced background. I know that sometimes my my children don't want to say certain things to me because they don't want to upset me. They want to protect me, and vice versa to their dad. I'm sure there are things that non, neither of us can be honest and open when we talk. Now, who does this child and? Who does this child go to speak to? I know that this is a stupid thing because the children aren't going to listen, but who are they going to talk to? And also, how do you approach that? Like, you don't go, oh, you've got this issue, go and speak to blah, blah, blah. No, so as, as a parent, fundamentally, the first thing you can possibly often do, and mothers are always better than fathers at this, I'm sure, but um, you, you know when your child's upset, you yeah. know when there's something not quite right. Mm. So you can approach, but you have to give them a safe platform. 
And what? Like, sorry, I keep no, interrupting no, you, Jane, but if no. I don't say it, I forget it. No, that's fine. Okay. So we've had trouble in the past where, you know, children have been angry necessarily, and people have said that, you know, that thing that's just kicked off in the kitchen isn't about the fact that their dinner's cold or something like that. Let's just use that as an example. There's a deeper rooted <clears throat> issue. And you know, like you say, that's for, that for me is a sign where I go, right, there's something not not quite right here, which is then we need to look at the deeper root of the, of the problem. Well, yeah, so this is, again, going back to the original kind of start of this podcast. It was really, I think sometimes when you're the addict or sometimes when you're the parent, you forget that actually children have feelings too. Mm. So if a child falls over, predominantly when they're younger, unless you're a very neurotic parent, we go, right, come on, get up, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. You're teaching them that it's not okay to be hurt. So therefore, they kind of then shadow that. So what we need to do is give them that safe platform and understand that during a divorce, and if we talk about kids from divorced parents or people that are children from addict parents, that... I have to understand that although I'm feeling sorry for myself, now I have that understanding of, well, I have comprehension. I understand why certain things happen. I understand why mum and dad separated. I understand why dad might have had to move out or mum might have had to move out. And I, my comprehension levels has that understanding. A child doesn't. Mm. So they instantly blame their self. So it's all really about understanding that that child may just need that safe platform from both parents. And it's important that you don't slag off the other parent. And it's important that you don't do anything derogatory or give them a platform where, because it's really hard not to sometimes want to go, well, however, I think you need to really know the truth. Because it, it doesn't, for them, they don't want, they don't need to know elements of the truth. But what they need to know is that they have a loving, safe space mm. and they can talk. And... I know kids sometimes, oh, I don't want to talk about that, Dad, or I don't want to talk about that, Mum, but fundamentally it's about giving them a platform. Yeah. And if they, if they don't want to talk about it with Mum and Dad, that's okay, but as long as they've got that understanding and comprehension that it is okay to talk, whether mm. it be at school, to a teacher or a friend, or an adult, an uncle, an auntie, it's because going going back to my children, you know, they didn't see me for months, right? Mm. That broke me. I mean, that literally was the hardest time of my life. And that will probably always be the hardest time of my life, not seeing my kids mm. and missing a big chunk. I didn't see my daughter on her birthday, missing a big chunk of things like that. I have comprehension and I understand why that may have happened. I didn't like it, but mm. I have an understanding of why it happened. The children don't. Yeah. And that was what was hard is the children. But so we've got to assume that when I do see them again, everything's going to be okay between everyone or everything's done... We have to understand how they may have felt. And we have to understand how people may feel in certain situations. And, you know, even like my, my, my family and my friends, you know, I speak to my sisters who were like massive supports during all of this. You know, one of my sisters said like she struggled to sleep. She struggled to eat. My other sister, who's got an incredibly high-pressured job, really struggled with a situation. Well, at the time, I'm not seeing that. Mm. Because I think all their life's on. Everything's fine. And... I'm having such a kind of effect on everybody else's life that living with the addict is just as hard as being with the addict. Yeah. And I didn't see that at the time. Mm. So living with me probably was an incredibly difficult thing to do. You know, being my friend was probably an incredibly difficult thing to do. And like I said to you before, right, I created a self-destruct button. So that self-destruct button, when I hit it, because I didn't really ever want to talk and because of like obviously my work situation and like my family situation, I was always seen as the tough guy that didn't have, nothing ever really affected him. 
It did. I, I always considered myself like a swan. From the outside point of view, I was unfaffable. Mm. I, was, I never flapped at anything. I looked like I was always incredibly calm in every situation and could handle whatever was thrown my way because of how I was brought up. And my dad, you got to remember, is a tough guy, you know, and my mum, you know, they're, they're tough people. And we grew up in, you know, tough estates. And But from the underneath that kind of unflappable, the swan flaps its legs to try and stay afloat. Mm. And that was what I was doing every day. And it's really hard when you hit a self-destruct button for your friends not to go, oh, he's hit it again and make a joke of it. And then they'd make a joke of it and go, oh, you know what I'm like? Always happens to me. Because that's another thing that an addict always has. Well, it always happens to me. Yeah, because predominantly you put yourself in that situation. Yeah. So, yeah, it will happen to you because you find yourself in that situation where chaos is likely to happen. Mm. And it's, it's having that understanding that although I've changed my children's life forever, I have to now protect them. Not like I wouldn't have done anyway, but I have yeah. a bigger understanding that actually they have comprehension now and they've had to grow up. So my children now and anyone, you know, anyone that has children that is going through anything, you have to try and maintain those youthful years for as long as you can mm. because you see a lot of children from divorced parents or children that have had trauma and what's the first thing everyone says? Oh, they've grown up too quick. But they had no choice. Mm. Like, I grew up too quick. I had no choice. You know, when, you, you, when you're growing up like I grew up, you think, well, actually, what choice have I got other, to be, other than to be an adult when I'm like 10, 11 years old? Mm. What I understand now is actually that child needs to remain as naive and... And like, love, and feel and loved. loved. Yeah, like, absolutely. there's nothing wrong with just, like, every now and again, putting your arm around your kids yeah. and just being there, being there for them and telling them that you love them. You know, you know? And that's being present in their life, being present, being supportive. All these things, as, as busy parents, we forget about. But they need that. They need that. Stood on when I'm stood on the sidelines and the boys look over, I'm there and they know that I'm there to support them. Um, and you know, if they need that just that arm around their shoulder, then that's that's what we're there for, and they can come to you for that. And whether it's boys, whether it's girls, they need that love, they need that kind of you know reassurance. And I'm here, which if you didn't get that as a child. Yeah, that's you don't know how to give. Yeah, natural, hmm. naturally to you, it's very, very difficult. So sometimes some people might be going, I do that all the time anyway. What are you talking hmm. about? That's just a natural thing. But if you didn't have that as a child, that is something that you've got to look at and go, this is what I needed as a child and that's what I'm going to provide for my, for my children. Well, if you think so, my nickname was the Tin Man because everyone just assumed I was this hollow, empty but you was not like that at I, all. I, I'm not anymore, but I was at the time because I, I didn't really know how to show emotion. Um, like, look, I'll tell you a story. So how did, you, how did that change then? Well, it's because it's always, I, I suppose it's like that adapted adult. It's always adult child. It's always been there. But I think I created from a young, from, from, a, from a younger point of view and from a child point of view that, when you have a lot of trauma growing up and when you have a lot of pain and heartache and you feel like all you ever do is cry as a kid, you kind of then go, I'm never going to cry again. Like a barrier, like, yeah, like a, a brick wall. Yeah, like a, you, but you said, like, when everyone says, oh, I'll put my wall up, I literally didn't just put a wall up. I put a wall all the way around me. Yeah. I didn't want to get any... And I wanted people to believe I was tough. I, I, a situation, and like, you know, and I don't, I don't ever think bad of my dad or anything, but my, I remember going to my dad and... And for the first time, I'm feeling incredibly vulnerable. Uh, a friend of mine had just been killed, and I, I went to my dad, and I, I, and I sat, 
and just said, I think I need help. And I was about 15, 16 years old. And I said, I think I need help. And he said, the first thing he said was, what you need to do is man the fuck up. So I thought, okay, don't show weakness. And look, he knew no different, neither. So yeah. it's not me blaming him. He knew no... And he, do you know the funny thing is, he probably doesn't remember that conversation, mm. but I did. Mm. So from there, I was like, no, you're right. I need to show strength. And that's what I believe strength was. Not showing any weakness for me was what I believe the biggest strength you could have. Yeah. Like not showing emotion, not showing kind of empathy, not showing any kind of weakness or kind of anything to the world that made you seem like you were weak. So... I, like people now say to me what's it like being an addict it's it's exactly like feeling like that as a child mm. you have all these emotions that run around you you feel like you're just trying to mask something you don't like I wanted to cry as a kid I, or as, as I got older but like I'd watch a sad film and I could feel it in my stomach but the tears just weren't there and it was just like this whole come on come on and that's like the addict you're like you're kidding yourself every day you're living with this kind of emotion of feeling like I don't want to be this person. I never wanted to. I don't want to be an addict. I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to have urges. I don't want to feel like I have to self-destruct. I want to feel like I can just share. If I feel a certain way, I'd like to feel I can just talk to someone. And it was, I suppose, it was when everything went, it was just a bit like, shit, Mm. this is it now. And this is, where do I go from here? And I remember the first time that, you know, I didn't see, I, I moved out of home and I didn't see my children. It was my feeling of letting everyone down that I think broke me mm. and made me go, well, what do you do now? And then I started crying and it was the first time, and this is a genuine thing, it was the first time I'd cried in over 20 years. And I mean anything. I'd been to a few friends' funerals. I'd been, I'd seen, you know, my children be born. I, you know, I had lots of emotions. Tottenham won the Carling Cup I in 2008. Um, that that was an emotional day. Um, but that's, it was the I first time. Did they ever win anything? Yeah, well, they did in 2008, big cup. Um, it was, <laughs> it was the first time that I felt like I couldn't stop crying, and I just sat in that flat and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. But that wasn't tears of just leaving your kids that was tears of a child that was tears of someone that didn't cry at his friend's funeral that was tears of everything Mm -hmm. someone that felt like it finally gone and it was all too much and you know like our our, what is our company tag is that strength belief mindset change and for me it's about identifying what those things are and the reason I use that as the tag is because they are the four elements and the key things I needed in order to move on mm. you know first of all you know it's like the strength you know you have to kind of you have to find it from somewhere and you said you always see it and you know I, I couldn't see it but it was there right it was like not seeing your kids not living not living at home you know you've been you know you're just broke and you have to go right rather than patch it this time you know I was broken there's mm. no two ways about it I was absolutely you know I was all over the place and every time I'd ever felt broken in the past, what's the first thing I've always done? If I cut, you put a plaster. You know, you know, if you you have to kind of let yourself heal properly. Not plaster over the cracks, you have to kind of let yourself heal. So that's the strength element. What about the belief element? Well then you have to start genuinely believing in yourself. And rather than kidding yourself, it's you know, you have to kind of start really believing that you can do it. And you have to kind of say 
actually I've shown the strength the, the element of the beginning is the hard part that you actually believe that you've got that strength and you have to then understand that it isn't anybody else's job to do it you have to believe you can do it on yourself like I said last week you know 20 years of therapy didn't do it rehab didn't do it mm. the only person that was ever going to do it I had to believe it was me and I had to believe that you know I had enough about me to be able to overcome this to make my hero, my, my children think I was a hero, to make everyone, you know, everyone that's ever dealt with me, to make them go, I'm proud of you. Mm. Because that, you know, that is, that's the fundamental, the belief that you need. And, you know, and then you change your mindset. And under, you have to understand, it ain't gonna be easy. No. And you have to prepare yourself. And you also have to prepare that you don't have a lot of setbacks. But it's be worth it. Well, it is, and at the time that you're going through it, Sometimes when you get punched in the face and you're, you're in a sound state of mind, it hurts and you keep moving forward. When you're not in a sound state of mind and you're living on your own and you're in lockdown and you're overcoming addiction and everything feels like it's on top and you get punched in the face, it don't feel like you can get back up because mm. you're already pretty much on the floor. It just feels like just someone else stamping on you. And But you have to put yourself in that mindset of going, yes, this will hurt. This will literally hurt me every day it's you know it's a bit like when you're a young kid right not that it ever happened to me because i never had a girlfriend but i'm assuming when you're younger and you get dumped by what you assume when you're like 15 16 years old that you're with the one um it's that pain that you're oh my god i'm never going to get over this every time you ever separate you always go oh my god how am i ever going to yeah. get over this pain would well, it it passes right that pain eventually passes and in this belief and mindset you have to know in that mindset when you get punched it's gonna hurt but it will heal, but you have to let it heal. There's no point of going, it's gonna hurt, and I'll worry about that tomorrow. You have to go, right, let's kind of reevaluate what I'm going to do, and let's kind of actually understand that it's hurt for this moment in time, but it will pass. Mm. And next week, it will hurt less, and the week after, it will hurt even less. So it's kind of understanding about keep moving yeah. forward. Day by day. Day by day. And change? Change, well, that's obviously where, where we are at, right? And understanding it's never too late to change because it's a bit like people that, you know, people that want to lose weight or want to go out for a run. You go, well, I'm too old to start running or I'm too old to start kind of trying new things. And a bit like, you know, you can teach an old dog new tricks. And I could teach myself to, what I do now is I, I look at my wounded child and I thank my wounded child. Because those emotions are strengths. Yeah. You know, all of those kind of empathy is a great, you know, emotion like emotion to have for people. Because if you understand how other people might feel, you start understanding how you might feel. And, you know, those vulnerabilities, it's good to be vulnerable. It's okay to feel a certain way. And it's okay to when you want to change, that it's okay to be different. Because that's kind of what as a as an as an addict, what we need is that structure, routine and accountability. Mm. But if you give yourself good structure and good routine and create all those good habits yeah. and have someone to be accountable to, that change is very fluent. And being agile enough to be able to change with it. But once you get the first three key points... Well, that change now, is hard. To do that yeah. by yourself is very, very hard. And the chances are you're going to fail if you're trying to do it without some support. Of course. And, you know, the chances are that if you fail... If you're normally of like negative disposition, you will feel that, well, I see it, I'll give up. And it's understanding never giving up. And it's okay to fail, just learn from it. Yeah. And just go, right, how that failed, I can try that again. And if that fails again, I'll try something different. And understanding it's, it's not about kind of failure, it's just about kind of 
working out what works and what doesn't work. And that's kind of the key to failure, isn't it? It's like, we, we've tried that. If that didn't work, we'll try something else. And if that did work, we can then pass that knowledge on to somebody else, which is what I try to do. You know, this may not relate to everyone, but yeah. I fundamentally believe that 90% of addicts are all the same. And we all have had these feelings that I've had. We've all have had these emotions that I've had. And I want, I've been wanting to change since I was a kid. Mm. I'm 42 years old now. I finally get things. I finally understand how I feel. I finally don't beat myself up for too long. I finally realise that if I get punched, I'm getting back up again, metaphorically speaking. Um, but it, it's that understanding that I can get back up. Which and is why we've got Happy Hub, which is there. We do the online six-week programming. So, you know, these are going, just referring it back to the online program that we that we offer. It isn't just about fitness and nutrition. You play a heavy role in that with your, you know, with the mental health element to it as well. We do webinars on there. We send meditation out. So all of these things, we try and take snippets from your experience, from my experience to help others, but tone it down. So it's not just targeted, you know, for for people that have got addictive personalities. It's for everybody that needs that structure, that routine, that accountability, that wants to make some changes like you have. You had to make changes to your whole lifestyle. And people do go, you know, like, for me, if you'd say like a, a change for me would be going out for that, that wouldn't that wouldn't challenge me if I had to go out and run a little bit further or whatever. But for me, my changes that I've had to work on is my own kind of mental, head, yeah. my own yeah. head, mm. and that's challenging. And I find that really really hard work. And there are days where I go, well, I've always been like this, and I'm fine. Look, look, I'm I'm all right where I am. I've kind of got to where I am. We, I don't need. But to again, change. that goes back to the, your your kind of. Every your subconscious works like that. If you're if you're in familiarities, you you just put it down to. Well, I always put it down to. Well, I've always been a tin man. I don't ever cry anything. I yeah. don't ever do. And it's it's kind of under. So even to touch on meditation, right? If you would have told me as a thirty five year old builder that would eat a bacon sandwich every morning and eat a croissant and have two large cups of tea and coffee and eat just completely unhealthy, that like I'd be sitting meditating to take myself out of my own head, which I never thought I could escape. I would have laughed at you. Mm. But because I let myself go a little bit and took myself out of my comfort zone, I've realised that actually what's good for me is things like that. Sometimes I need the things that I always go, oh, I'm not doing that, it's ridiculous. But I start doing them and I go, well, actually, taking yourself out of your comfort zone, letting yourself kind of go a little bit, you go, actually, oh, that's pretty fun. Oh, that's pretty good. And then, like going for a nice long walk. That's pretty fun, isn't it? I mean, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, I won't even comment on that. I enjoy going for nice long, long walks together, and we practice yeah. mindfulness. We do, and we hold hands. Um, we don't hold hands, but um, no, no, no. Um, anyway, on that note, I would like to again thank you for coming in as my co-host Thanks. and sharing your experiences. Um, and we hope that you can share this podcast, that you can give us some feedback, and if you are affected by anything again that we've discussed help is out there and again i will attach some links to the bottom of the podcast but the strength belief mindset change is key and we are here to help so you can look at happyhubuk.com and then you can obviously go on to katecrossfitness.com as well to find out more about what we offer and happy with an eye as well by the way 
Oh yeah. Having I'll push it. I just put it on the bottom. Yeah, it'll be easier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So thank you very much for your time today. You're welcome. And um, will you like to come and co-host another podcast with me? Can we do something a bit more upbeat next okay, time? Okay. What should we do next time? We Let's talk about um, food. Okay. And calories. Okay. And steps. Good. And protein. Good. Bike riding. Sure. Swimming. Yep. Can't wait. I bet you all can't wait to tune in for that episode. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your day.